0: When the going gets tough, grab a group of friends and do something great. That is the team up. I'm Steven. And I'm Kevin. And this is Loot Time. Go! So we're back to part two of Team Up. We've learned so much about joining forces. We have. We've talked about a band that teamed up to save their own feature. Something about Ant Man and the Wasp. <laughs> Do you remember what that something was? Uh I I remember talking about house arrests and I know they they're saving a ghost. No, they're they're teaming up to stop a ghost. Right. I can't really remember. I guess I'll have to go back and listen to another right. episode. It's been a long day. It's been very humid. I know, right? But they joined forces. The they Ant- do. Ant Man and the Wasp. Wasp Watch. Wasps.
1: Ant t- Man t- p- and the Wasp. <laughs> Ant <laughs> Man yeah. and the
0: Worcestershire sh- Sauce. Wait. All right. Yeah. But yeah. So now we did our superhero team ups. We mm-hmm. we had, we talked about that. Yep. But. Let's quick talk about our favorite sports movie team-ups.
2: Oh. So,
1: what what do you got? What's your favorite sports movie team-up? I would have to say the movie Miracle. Ooh. With Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks. Gotta represent the home state of Minnesota.
0: Is that only because it's a uh, it's a true story?
1: It's, it's a true story. Uh, you had... It, the hockey team of just college players taking on the USSR. Yeah. And oh, they. Russia. Old Mother Russia. And they overcame the odds. And it was none other than Herb Brooks. Yep, As the head coach. And um, we'll never know how he was like as the coach. But I think it's safe to say that uh, if you've ever seen the movie Miracle. You know, he was the way that Kurt Russell portrayed, given yep. the information that he was given.
0: I think my favorite part of the movie is the learning to team up with... Misfits. Other, well, not only misfits, but people from other colleges. Now, okay, so right. I went to the University of Minnesota. Right. I absolutely hate hated... Wisconsin. Wisconsin, UMD, UND, Iowa. Iowa Nebraska. Right. Yep, I hate all those guys. So, like, when I watched the movie, I'm like... I hate, oh, I, hate I hate him i hate him <laughs> yeah but and they did they like the team they learned they well their team was like they didn't like each other because of right. the colleges they went to mm-hmm. and then they had to learn to play together and yeah you're not gonna succeed unless you team up to to form a super team a super team to take on russia yes it's kind of like when rocky knocked down the russian yes. ivan drago
1: Yes. It was just like that. And he's coming back.
0: Do you think that's kind of like what they thought? They're like, hey, Rocky did so well. Why don't we do the miracle thing? Right. Yeah. Hey, maybe. It's, yeah. a, it's
1: a nice story to sell. U.S. You... versus Russia.
0: Right. Again. Know? So, you know, you're probably thinking, hey, Steven, you're a Ducks fan and mm-hmm. you're from and you're living in Minnesota. What's There's... wrong with you? Yeah. Why aren't you doing Mighty Ducks? I mean, they're a, they're a great team up. They mm-hmm. are. But it's summer and I'm kind of uh, thinking baseball's in the air. And I like the team up of the Sandlot. The uh, kids taking on the dog. The doggo. The beast. The pooch. And now, I just like how when they lose the Babe Ruth ball.
1: Yep. Over, over the, the fence, ball, over it's the gone. Over the fence,
0: it's gone. And they're just joining forces. Okay, we can use Tinker Toys. We can use, you know, we're going to pull you up on a hose. And you're going to wear a catcher's mask. And you're going to go down and mm-hmm. grab the ball. You're going to use the vacuum cleaners to try yep. to suck it up. Um, and then Benny the Jet Rodriguez was like, screw this. I'm just going to use my PF flyers and run over the fence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can outrun a dog or a beast or Whatever anything. creature.
1: Because you never got a, a glimpse of it. It was just like through the cracks of the fence what it was. like, Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and they always imagined greater than what it was was, because when the dog actually came through the fence, it was just a regular like dog dog. You know, it wasn't the giant beast. And I like you know Squince's Mm um uh, thing when he saw the dog for the first time. You know, big drooly mouth, right? And you know, and uh, you know, I it's funny. Did every kid see it the same way? Like that was kind of the other thing. It's like they all have their wild imagination and. Stuff like that, but they, they they were a great team. Even though they only played one baseball game, they walloped the you know the you know the kids with the best uniforms mm-hmm. and the best field and you know everything like that. And they went out, got some chew, and vomited all <laughs> over the place um, to one of the best songs ever, Tequila.
1: So, I haven't heard that song in ages.
0: So to me, granted, yes, it is summer, right? And hockey season did end not too long ago, and it's it's it's
1: approaching. Like it fifty-five is. weeks or something like that,
0: dude. Man, I I don't have an exact number, but October fourth is that's, that's the home opener or uh, hockey season opener. Yes. So, I know middle of summer we should be rooting baseball, but I'm still waiting for hockey.
1: Yes, me too.
0: So, we have two new, brand new franchises that we'll yes, be talking we about um, from the July team up, Loot Crate Box, and that is Adventure Time and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, and just to let you know, we do have a special guest for those we uh, do, but turtles, sh- so sh- don't tell sh- anyone. Um, so let's start with Adventure Time. Yes. Now, as we normally do, we'll discuss the franchise before we go in. And we have discussed Adventure Time in the past, on a past episode, so if you have listened to that one... You can go you, back You and... can go back and listen to that recap, but if you don't want to or you're lazy, you can listen Fair to this enough. recap. So a human boy named Finn... Mm-hmm. And an adoptive brother and best friend, Jake the dog, protect the citizens of the land of Ooh from foes of various shapes and, and sizes. Interesting. So, I've actually seen a few episodes for the last podcast. Mm-hmm. That we did not the last podcast, but the previous Adventure Time based podcast. Right. Um. You've said you've never seen it. I've never
1: watched Adventure Time, so this is going to be a whole new ballpark. So, for me. I mean, I
0: personally think it's a weird show, meant for stoners. I mean, From it is. What I'm cartoon. looking
1: at right now, it looks.
0: Yes, we We are currently looking at the, sc- sc- basically a screen capture of the beginning of an episode.
1: He looks like the Grinch.
0: Yes, he he doesn't look white with a blue shirt or anything anymore. So. We're gonna try something brand new Hmm. that we've never done before in an episode. Yeah, we are. And since we've already talked about Adventure Time in the past, we thought, hey, let's 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 try something different.
1: Spice it up. Spice
0: it up a little bit. So we are gonna try doing a commentary track for a completely random episode of Adventure Time. Yep. Now remember, I've only seen the first two. I've never seen any. Kev's never seen any. So this will be probably the most interesting podcast. And this is Season 8, Episode 13. Yes, for those listening, Season 8, Episode 13. So if you want to follow along on this commentary track, Watch. The episode is only eleven minutes long, right. so it's not like gonna you're not gonna waste your time if you do it. It's just 11 um, minutes. We're watching it on Hulu for those of you guys that don't have the DVDs. It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu, so go ahead and watch it on there, or you can pay for it on Amazon. But right. I mean, I'd rather watch it for free. Right, so you get a free trial subscription for thirty days for thirty days and watch it. Um, and yeah, so we're when I hit the hit the play button, I will say play, and that's when you can hit play. And follow along. There you go.
1: Just like sing and we'll. Sing like a, it's, and we'll dance yeah, it's just and... like
0: one of those like songs with the bouncy ball <laughs> yeah. on it. And we're we're just gonna <laughs> commentate on what we see. If you enjoy it, you know, read the com-
1: subtitles. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, we're
0: gonna read subtitles. If you feel like watching it with sound and and also a little bit louder, turn the sound down. Mm-hmm. Um, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, but yeah, check it out. This is gonna be an interesting. If you like it, go to our website and comment and say we did an awesome job. If you don't necessarily like it, that's cool. We like to hear your feedback, feedback. as well. Um, so here we go. We're hitting play in three, two, one, go. Okay, so this looks like the intro.
1: Yep. Oh, whoa. Whoa. Look,
0: dolphin, those are mechanical dolphins. Me- mechanical
1: dolphins. There's a parrot. Oh, he was wearing shoes. There's an eel looking thing.
0: Oh, Jake the dog and they're a big oh, muscular island, thing. So they're on an island.
1: Okay. And... That's what I'm getting.
0: Oh, that little guy? Uh huh. Um, that that guy, the BMO guy, I I play as him like a lot on my Lego Dimensions game because okay. he can enter different worlds and get to play games mm-hmm. with him. Um, so that's kind of cool. I don't know if you've ever played Lego Dimensions, but no. there's a new level that that kind of goes in. Okay. Um, all right. So Whoa. it looks like they're on a boat.
1: I'm on a
0: boat. And they're looking at. They look
1: good. I think.
0: They're yes.
1: So they they look the same. Okay, obviously that person doesn't, but uh, Finn and that big muscular lady yes. have the same.
0: I think her name was Doctor Melvina. I guess I don't know. And Jake's asleep with the Game Boy. Bimo. Bimo. His name's Bimo. Okay, they're getting to the island right now. That is a and very. And it's it looks a boot. very. It looks very technological. Right. And it looks like they see a lot of humans and see Oh, Kara. Kara's the 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 pilot of this of this ship. Okay. And it looks like the ship's been through hell and back. Well, remember, we're watching part 7 of this, so the ship's probably done.
1: Right. A we, lot of
0: a lot of different
1: things. It's, Look, it's got algae on it. It's got algae. In the water. And things growing. We missed something important. Yeah, very. So this is this, this like, is Like what happened to us. his arm? He's got like a mechanical arm. Oh There's my god. There's an old man god. in a diaper.
0: Man, I think this is the first time I've watched an episode with humans. Usually, there's a lot of aliens and ooh, uh, a real dog. I wonder guy? if Jake's going to be fun. Have fun
1: with him. Some Very trippy looking people. Apparently, these people are dangerous. And let's all try to keep a low profile. Yep.
0: And now they're looking for Mervina. It looks like she ran off. Right, Jake. Yep, Jake the dog.
1: He's getting grumpy. And she's wearing pins. That guy has a stash. Ooh,
0: BMO cakes. It was a cake with batteries in it. Must Sounds be t- must be yummy
1: for a robot. Very healthy. That looks like an Amazon. She she reminds me of an Amazon. Yep, and she's got a cat on her head. She's taller than everyone. Uh, is that cat still alive?
0: I don't think so. <laughs> but I think it's kind of funny. Like, okay, so I've like I said, I've seen some past episodes, and uh, I've never seen humans before. And, I don't know, I feel like this this could be a good episode to watch, you know, see how the humans play around. Look, the little kid's like, oh, it's a talking dog, like they've never seen a talking right. dog before. A talking
1: dog! Are they going to help with the tummy rub? And I, all the kids just rush over. There's just some kid with star pants. That must pants. be Dr. Mervina. I didn't think we would find her that fast.
0: Well, she's a human, so she probably is willing to help out on this human world. But right. Jake's a human too with the mechanical arm, arm I guess. Thing. If anyone knows how he got that, let us know.
1: And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but uh did you what? Lose? What did you lose? Uh-oh. <gasps> oh. That might be why
0: they're on the island. So Dr. Mervina seems to have lost her
1: son. She picked up a battery.
0: Well, that's BMO's battery from his BMO cakes. Mm. But at least she's recycling it. Right. Well, I guess I don't know if that's a recycling bin. Or, or trash. Or, or trash.
1: These are some very wicked outfits.
0: I know, right? The animation is actually pretty decent on this on this episode. Or on the show, even. I mean, it's pretty basic, but... You know, at least... I don't know. Sounds kind of...
1: It's... It's... It's good. I enjoy this animation. It's not as bad as some of the other cartoons. <laughs> Jake's doing comedy to the humans.
0: He was talking about him being the uh, best at a flea circus. He's a talking calculator. I guess BMO's a talking calculator. Oh, oh! Ouch. See, Bimo must have just gotten involved recently. Okay. Because I remember on the earlier episodes, he wasn't on there. Look, like that person's dressed as a dog.
1: Well, listen, you guys. But man, what a great crowd.
0: Yeah, humans are great crowds.
1: Easily distracted. Yep. A talking By a dog. a talking
0: dog. Who's... They've never seen a talking dog before, so of course they're, you know...
1: In a place like this... Oh, look, he does other stuff besides...
0: Oh, that's right, you you don't know this. So Jake mm -hmm. the dog, he can actually change into different things. Really? Because remember, he's Finn's, like, I would say imaginary friend, but he's Uh, a real dog. Now they're saying he's a mutant because they're humans. Humans, when they see something different, they mm -hmm. obviously go
1: mutant. Well, I think in a world like this, the way that people are dressed and the way that the buildings are, you'd think that they'd be used to seeing something as weird as a talking dog.
0: No, 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 no. I mean, this is this is probably the most Earth-like uh, realm, I guess you would say, in Adventure Time, I bet. Interesting. And look, they're looking for Mervina. They must know her. She must have been there before. I wonder if that's where she came from.
1: Whoa. You're creating <laughs> disturbance oh robots
0: <laughs> are they oh they're not really humans
1: he got them Jake's out down for the count one two three and oh, there they, goes Finn oh
0: dr Mervina was a robot so now they now they trap Son. Jake
1: now he's got things stuck to his forehead.
0: Wait, are they trying to make him a robot? That would suck. Or are they trying to like sedate him? Those are like sedation. No.
1: Because they did something to her, right? I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to rescue her. Okay, I get it. they got to rescue her. Oh, they, they must
0: have cloned her into robots.
1: Mm, so the real one is hidden somewhere. It's harder to find the real one. Oh, oh, mind control. Oh, shoot. Where are the bones? Where are the bones at? Dude, if you went dude. To... Oh, they like liquefied <sighs> them.
0: Dude, it's kind of like when uh, Homer wished he didn't have bones. Remember in that uh, Halloween special? Like...
1: Oh, look. He got his the blood. Infant. They can make a new... A new fin. Man, these Dr. Mervinas are everywhere. They're evil. Even. Would you say
0: evil or helpful? Mm. In a world where you could lose your bones and be inflated. that I don't know how that would be, though. That would be... This is a cartoon. It's all fantasy. It's all fantasy. Anything could be Remember, real. Remember, it's adventure time, not reality time. Right. If it was reality time, we'd be a little screwed. Yeah. I do like that little Game Boy thing. That's a pretty good addition to a show. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what BMO stands for. Body man odor.
1: <laughs> body man odor. Let's just I call it so. that.
0: Or body machine operating system. I don't know. That's a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys are watching right now, it looks like a uh, Dr. Mavina is taking him to she... a pool which he can apparently walk on.
1: She can walk on water. She
0: must be. She must be part Jesus.
1: Part Jesus. Part Jesus. Whoa. Part
0: robot. Oh, I bet this is the cloning pool, maybe. Because you remember, she took her blood, or took Finn's blood, mm-hmm. and it's this the Matrix. is the Matrix. See, look, they uploaded her consciousness into the computer. computer.
1: Would you prefer that instead of like? Wait, is
0: Doctor Ravina? Oh, it does Dr. Mervina's his mom. Finn's mom. They finally met Finn's mom. It only took eight seasons and 13 episodes to get to Finn's mom. Wow. It's kind of weird. And you
1: find out your mom is in a computer?
0: Yeah. Apparently. Okay. So remember, Finn's been on his own for, I guess, eight seasons. Right. And he's only been with a talking dog. In the land of ooh. Well, they must not be in the land of ooh right now. Mm-mm. It's kind of sad. I was hoping we'd watch an episode from the land of ooh. 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 You think they were like just saying that word in their writing room like ooh. ooh. And they're like, well, why don't we go to the land of ooh? And they're like, sounds right. sounds like
1: a sweet place. Let's go
0: ooh.
1: <laughs> That's probably what they, what they thought. They're
0: like, what do you think about this name?
1: Ooh.
0: That's a better name.
1: I like it. Yep. That's what we're going to call it. Base it.
0: Uh-oh. Are they Some trying to make more... I, I think like... they're trying to make more talking dogs.
1: <laughs> With a fishtail. Dr.
0: Gross. <laughs> you can tell by where she works that her name would be Dr. Gross. Her, her lab was extremely gross. gross. <laughs> there are a lot of other characters in this show, though. There's uh, There's the Princess Bubblegum. There's mm-hmm. the uh, uh, nice king. He's not very nice.
1: Yeah, um, so he's the opposite of nice.
0: Yeah. I have him on my desk at, at work.
1: The nice king. He's not very nice. <coughs> yep. Uh-oh, what's going on? Oh, So, so this see, is how she's becoming I... into the computer?
0: Yep, she's uploading herself to the web. And loading herself into a ton of robots, because ah. she wants to be a helper. It's kind of like being a helper monkey, but it's a helper robot. See, she's telling she's telling Finn the story of how why she left him. I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm
0: sorry, son. I had to leave you. I got sick. I was dying. I don't know. Maybe was that it, or was she just like she wanted to help people, so she decided to
1: go to this place and become a robot? Maybe. And That was the episode. And that was the episode, guys. That was shorter than I expected. I know it just minutes, didn't seem 11 like eleven minutes, minutes
0: go by really quick when you're watching an episode. It's so, Legos. So, so we didn't obviously listen to it with sound, but no, but based on what we saw visually, yeah. I mean, I kind of want to know where where this is gonna go now, right? Finn, it, met it, his, it, it Finn dr- finally met his mind. It's like a it drew hair. you
1: in. It's It's making you watch the next episode. I know. That's why they do this in several
0: parts and only for 11 minutes.
1: Yeah, you're hurting me. It's
0: either that or kids have really short attention spans. Right, which And they're like, okay, 11 11 minutes. Okay, they'll watch the next episode tomorrow. Mm Mm-hmm. So, what if they can't wait that long? Oh, they'll wait.
1: They have to. They'll
0: wait. And you want to know why they'll wait? Because they want to know what happened to Finn's mom. Right. She's in something. All right. Well... That was fun. If you guys it liked was. it, if you guys liked it, great. If we can do it again. Did, we can do it again. If you didn't like it, we'll do it uh, again. We'll do it again. <laughs> but this time we might do it on something we've watched, watched a million times. Right. I, I guess maybe we should have pre-watched the episode and then, and then done it again. But
1: I thought it was kind of fun. Just free ball, like just free balling, free balling right into it. Yeah. Right into the episode. All right. <laughs> well, that was fun guys. <laughs> yes, it was. That was fun.
0: All right, Kev, it's now time to head to the sewers for our next team-up. There, you will find four turtles and a rat. And they are called the, the teenage, teenage Mutant, Mutant Ninja, Ninja turtles. turtles. So, for those of you out there that don't know, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are four fictional teenage anthropomorphic turtles named after Italian artists from the Renaissance. Now, to me, that's... I don't know. That's that's, that's a pull right there, especially since they're from Japan, they're pulling from Italian artists. Um, They were trained by their uh, rat sensei, which we'll talk about. He was really human Mm -hmm. first, turned into a rat. Um, From their homes in the sewers of New York City, they battle petty criminals, evil overlords, mutated creatures, and alien invaders, all while attempting to remain hidden from society. Um... They were created or co-created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, so yeah, those guys. Classics. Classics, and I like how to remain hidden. Mm-hmm. Before giant turtles can't be hidden from people very long. No, no. So today we have a very special guest. Um, he uh, worked on uh, the 2012 to 2016 animated series. Um. Uh, Jeff Schiffman began his professional career focusing on creative sound design at a boutique sound studio, um, eventually garnering a coveted position as supervising editor at Warner Brothers Studios. Um, There he oversaw post-production sound for numerous animated television series. Um, And then with his knowledge and experience uh, that he cultivated there, Jeff left and started Boombox Post, a boutique post-production sound studio located in Burbank, California. Um, with owner Kate Finnan, um, he was he is or was now it's over. But uh, the supervising editor, sound effects mixer, and sound effects editor on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animation TV show from 2012 to 2016, where him and his team were four-time daytime Emmy nominees with one Emmy win. So let's welcome to Loot Time Jeff Schiffman.
2: Welcome, hey guys! Thank you, yeah, hey. thank you so much. That was quite an intro. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I learned from the best. One of my big me- podcast mentors is Kevin Smith, and if you've ever listened to his podcast when he has mm-hmm. a guest on, he uh, he usually goes on for like five minutes when he does an intro, but I can't live up to that.
2: <laughs> that that's all right. I think that was perfectly appropriate. Thanks.
0: <laughs> all right, I like it. So, uh, I guess one, you know, big question that. Uh, we kind of want to get out of the way here. So I guess what got you into sound mixing? Um, You know, did you ever want to do any other part of editing processes, effects, CGI, lighting, anything like that? Or was it all sound?
2: Uh, You know, I was, I was never really a visual person. I was always a sound person and I actually was very into music in high school. And I spent a lot of time in bands and in marching band and percussion ensemble, things like that. And so, I ended up going to school at Indiana University for music and got my degree there and moved out west to get into the entertainment industry as a film composer, which is extremely hard to break into. Um, And as I was out here, I kind of fell into, due to a connection um, with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, uh, a gig at a small boutique studio, as you mentioned, and ended up kind of just really loving sound design and sound editing and it's something I didn't know at the time even existed as a as a career now there's programs you can go to school for it you can get degrees specifically in in sound design and sound editing but I was just like oh you can you know take all these cool sounds and put them to picture and then start inventing things and with animation specifically which is what this company did you can you know create things with synthesizers and different apps and you can really dig in and get kind of crazy creative because you're painting with such a big brush and you have so many opportunities to be creative so it ended up being a musical outlet for me in a way and looking back on some of my college experiences some of the composing projects I had done and stuff they ended up really being sound design projects I was like recording myself walking around with microphones and you know I would take the footsteps and then kind of squish them and mangle them until it got kind of musical and all that sort of stuff is really just kind of proto sound design work for me so i think it ended up being my destiny in a way but um it ended up being really fun to work specifically in an animation which is what our company does now we we only work in animation
0: that's kind of cool nice. yeah i mean taking like a visual you know piece that mm-hmm. someone else has drawn and then trying to figure out <laughs> what sound should go with with it, it. Is definitely something that you know. I personally, I don't know if I'd be able to handle, you know, going through a library of audio just right. to pick one, one sound. So yeah and, then, and, yeah, and the
2: cool thing about animation is, you know, you can. Basically, for the most part, the budget is unlimited. Whereas if you were in a movie and you decided you were going to have a giant action sequence with you know all these explosions and buildings falling on top of one another and robots come in and aliens invade and it just gets out of hand. And you're like, wow, the budget for this thing must be crazy. But in animation, it's, it's sort of six of one. I mean, there's some considerations, especially in CG animation. But generally speaking, they can just go completely nuts. So every week we get a new challenge that's just completely out of left field it's it's extremely fun to work in this medium
0: that's cool and then you never wanted to be on the other side of the camera you know acting or doing like voiceover talent
2: you know i i think it would be really fun to be a voiceover artist it's super hard um i can definitely speak from experience because every once in a while um we'll get like a monster uh and we need to voice it as a sound effect instead of a you know more of a creature sort of vibe instead of it being something recorded in dialogue so we'll open up a microphone and sometimes do it to picture we call it where you actually, you know, do it while it's playing on screen as though you're the actor and um I've spent a lot of years doing it now so I'm very comfortable and I've gotten pretty decent at it but it is quite a craft to be able to go in and just completely change who you are and have all that emotion come through just with your voice. Um so I think it would be really cool to do and I I certainly see it as a really fun job and all the voice actors that i have spoken with they always speak to how lucky they are to have the gig but i can tell you underneath that is so much talent and so much um creativity and drive so it's just one of those things where i think generally people look at it and they're like wow that that looks really fun it can't be that hard but it is extremely specialized
0: yeah i've had a lot of people say that my voice would kind of be good for voiceovers just because it's i can make it pretty animated if Mm -hmm. i really wanted to Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I am an, I do a lot of like side acting and I am fun in front of the camera, but I think just my voice and just my tone. And that's why I think people like listening to my, on my podcast. Cause I have a, you know, quality voice that people like to listen to.
2: It's very sultry. I think that's how I'd describe it.
0: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right <laughs> a flattery uh, I yeah right now.
2: <laughs> I think starting right. off with like a very unique point uh voice is like a very good starting point um oftentimes people get pigeonholed, and that's like the voice they do um but the the guys and gals who are like extremely successful, they can just become anyone. It's kind of amazing to watch the transformation. sometimes they'll do a scene with themselves where they're playing two different characters back and forth. It's pretty cool,
1: yeah. Yeah. um, So how did you get hooked up with Nick? Uh, Did you have a choice of shows to work on or do they pitch you to TMNT?
2: Oh, I wish it worked that way. That would be amazing. Uh, So, no, generally we're always vying for work and it's really based on reputation and who you end up knowing um, how these shows kind of fall in your lap. I had worked with the executive producer of the show, Ciro Nielli, on one of his earlier series way back you know roughly eight or nine years prior to him working on ninja turtles so when the time came for him to work on turtles he had you know remembered us and our team and was really pushing for the show to come to us uh, so that he could work with the team he's comfortable with and you'll find that as far as i know especially at big studios that's generally what it's all about is just relationships you know there's clint eastwood has his team you know and um Mm -hmm. Christopher Nolan has his team. You'll see the same sound crews working just like you'd see the same, you know, DPs working behind the camera and stuff like that. You kind of get used to your collaborative group and work with the same people. So that's how our client base works is we end up working with these executive producers on one show at Nickelodeon, for example, and then they might go and pitch a show over at Netflix or Disney. And the next thing you know, you've got one of their shows. So it's kind of cool how it organically grows.
0: Yeah. It seemed like a lot of your shows that I've, at least I've seen on your list were a lot of Nickelodeon type stuff.
2: It's been all the same.
0: Yeah. And then I did notice that you picked up DuckTales, which I, <laughs> that was another one of those shows that I
1: was so sketchy on new. like You're so used to the classic. To... Yeah.
2: Totally. Yeah. I was, I was worried as well when the remake was announced and then I found out one of my really good friends was EP on that show and I knew it was in really good hands, and man, they've done such a good job with that show. It's so fun. It's really great if you have kids, but it's really fun for adults to watch. It's one of the great pleasures to work on what was literally my favorite show when I was a kid, <laughs> now as an adult, so that I can sit and watch my kids enjoy. It's, it's really cool, both with Turtles and DuckTales and a lot of other properties, to kind of bring these to the next generation. It's always nerve-wracking for the fans, but you also have to realize that the people behind the scenes they were fans so their 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 intention is not a money grab they want to make something that they can be proud of so that the franchise lives on
0: yeah I was definitely happy to see they went with the original theme song again for (laughs) for DuckTales but I mean with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles they actually it was kind of split like it starts with the with the original and and then then then,
1: they add their own mix and their own mix
0: and then end with the ending and I thought that was kind of cool
2: I love that direction. You know, I really like how DuckTales stuck with the old theme in inspiration and they they did the kind of updated new recording of it because I think it was so ingrained in fans heads. I think there's a real fine line with how much you can kind of play around with these themes and Ninja Turtles was another one, but I think there were enough iterations that they probably felt comfortable going for it. And I know they wanted to update it and give it a little bit more of You know a modern feel and uh Sebastian Evans the composer and and he wrote that theme song did such an awesome job putting that together and then in season five we actually did a whole new main title that didn't have any lyrics at all it was sort of this jazzy kind of iteration and that is very stylized visually too so they allowed them to just go for it with it and I really love how it turned out
0: that's cool. I gonna check out yeah I'm only stuck on season one right now so I'll have to go check out Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. They, they changed some visual stuff here and there throughout the different seasons, but in season five, they just went with a whole new main title and it was up actually for, um, an Emmy a daytime Emmy for best main title sequence against DuckTales nice. actually. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was this year's, uh, <laughs> Emmys. I was, I was rooting for both. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it turned out mind of a chef won, So, you know, you can't win them all.
0: All right. Well, we're going to take you back to, back to your childhood. So were you, it sounds like you were a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles growing up.
2: Definitely. Um, Yeah.
0: Yep. Did you read the comics first? Did you watch the, like the original TV show, original movies, kind of where was your mind at going into it?
2: I came, I came to it through the comics originally. um, But the, my, my real jam was the TV show and then even more so the original movies. The first, two movies were you know basically on repeat in my house and I it's funny if you go back and watch the 80s show I mean there's so much charm in it but it is it like any other show that you kind of revere when you visit it 20 years later it's it's uh, doesn't necessarily hold up in the same way it's just got a place in your heart so um I can remember you know sitting down and watching that show um very regularly and Then, you know, throwing on a bandana I had bought at the dollar store and grabbing a cardboard tube and playing Donatello, running around the house like it was definitely my favorite back in the day. Um, And once the movies came out, it was really cool to kind of see it in the live action setting. I still love those movies. I mean, Mm -hmm. I just show those movies to my kids and I think they're super charming. Uh, the third one gets a little goofy, but that's yes. okay. I, <laughs> yeah,
0: just a little. Going back in time, you know. Samurais. Every, yeah, anytime you deal with time yeah. travel, it gets a little bit. Uh, a
1: little touchy. Longy.
0: But yeah, I just recently bought the uh, full um, 1990s animation series, like the full run. Yeah. And it came in mm-hmm. a turtle van. Like the whole thing
2: yes, came in That's out. a cool, that's a really cool set. And that is so many episodes. I mean, back in the day, they used to make so many episodes of these shows. Now you're lucky if you get to make, you know, a handful mm-hmm. uh, be- before a network has moved on here or there. But I, I feel like there were hundreds of them.
1: Yeah, is it, I was 100 it's an and amount. What? 184. 184. Yeah. Was it from like
2: so many episodes? It's crazy.
1: 87 to like 96. I think yeah, it ran I forward. Mean,
0: I I don't know if it's the animation. Like, I feel like the drawers like to draw and just make it. And and that's what kept it going. Whereas mm-hmm. now everything's CGI. And does it, I mean, in your experience, does it cost more money to make CGI episodes versus
1: cartoon, cartoon drawings?
0: Cartoon drawings.
2: Uh, C- CG. As far as I know, and I'm I'm speaking out of my depth, but I'll tell you what I know as much as possible. Uh, CG is more expensive. However, it's front it's front loaded. So when you make a CG show, you have to design all of the models and assets, all the sets. They call them sets because they're you know the physical like CG sets versus just drawings. Um, so as you compile those sorts of things over the course of a season, you now have all of these assets that you can work with in the next season, which are paid for. So it is very uh, tough if a CG show only goes for one season because yep. it's really, they really start reaping the benefits of production in the following seasons as you go along. Unless you retool the whole show for some reason and suddenly they're you know in space, which happened with Ninja Turtles uh, <laughs> after a few years. Um, but, but generally that's, that's the reason you see CG shows running for a really long time is because the money is really spent up front on all the development. And then once you've got the assets, it's, it's much cheaper to just continue making the show.
0: It's why there's going to be 10 Toy Stories,
1: because yeah. everything's already been made. Maybe some more Incredibles, too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Although, I think those models probably get updated so that they can take advantage of all the uh, rendering technology. They probably get a lot more details and stuff as, as you go along with time. Yeah. Uh, so, have you ever met the creator, Kevin Eastman? I have met Kevin. um, I think on a couple different occasions, he was, you know, really nice. It's always in a situation where it's like a group viewing. Uh, I actually did a short um, for Nickelodeon that Kevin had uh, written and directed. We did a bunch of turtle shorts. Uh, A bunch of them have been released online, actually. And so Kevin and I had a meeting, a phone meeting, which was going over. We call it a spotting session. And that's when they talk about what they expect from the sound. And we can go back and forth with notes once we've done our pass on it. So we had a long spotting session together in which he was like super helpful and had some great insightful notes. And then we had a screening of that uh, and the other shorts later on at Nickelodeon. And he attended as well. So I went up and just introduced myself because I've been working on his properties for many years and also Mm -hmm. obviously just a, a huge fan. And he was super polite. You know, I think animation people, comic people, from my experience... Are just really kind hearted. Um, They always seem to be really appreciative, um, artist first kind of attitudes. So when people come up that are loving what they've been working on, it's, you know, like a badge of honor for them because they poured their heart and soul into this property. So I I really got that vibe from Kevin.
0: Yeah. I mean, just kind of seeing where his stuff has come from, even though he's like not, he's kind of on the back end of the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like comic series. I mean, it's still kind of awesome. Like, I attend a lot of cons. Like, mm-hmm. I go to Wizard World Comic Con, and I'm doing Minnesota Fan Fusion in a couple weeks. And, you know, talking to the animators that work on these shows, they've even, you know, I've got to work behind their table, and they're just so friendly, and they tell me where they've been. And, you know, I got to meet the uh, first animator of, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Harley Quinn. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. I mean, he was just so, he's like telling me like, oh, this is how I came up with it. This is, he's like, and then here, here's a free drawing from my table just because I'm so nice and worked with them. (laughs) Like, like, it's just kind of fun just to see how, you know, these creators are with their fans Mm -hmm. and, you know, the respect that they give for, you know, you watching or reading their art and they're definitely willing to throw out in return.
2: Yeah, it's totally genuine. I, I really love that about working in animation is you really don't come across abrasive personalities very often. I think it just, it breeds kindness, which is really awesome.
0: Yeah, either that or they're really tired spending all night drawing. Or well, I guess nowadays... <laughs> it's probably <they're>, a little <laughs> of both. Yeah. Or or nowadays, it's all sitting in front of a computer, a computer screen. So.
2: Well, there's a good amount of hand drawing that goes on, especially in the storyboarding process. They just oh, yeah, do it on yeah. a big tablet, you know, the, the Cintiq tablets, but... Um, You know the the shows that really look good have a lot of hand drawn elements on the pre production side, which yeah. is pretty. It's pretty cool to see. Once in a while, we'll have what's called a burn in window where they put a, an animatic of the storyboards in in case there's like some effects that are happening on screen that we don't see yet, so we get an idea. Yeah. And it's awesome. It's awesome to watch how detailed those drawings are because no one ever sees them. You know, especially in a CG show, you go from a hand drawn. 2D drawing to these CG models it's uh it's amazing the care that goes into it
0: yeah so uh when being asked to mix the sound for the show did you try to model it after the old teenage mutant turtles like the way the weapons sound or way you know the turtles walked or anything like that or did you try to make it more original or was it kind of a collaboration between you and the animators
2: uh we went completely original if you listen to the old show the the sound's not so so great anymore it doesn't really hold up once in a while people have memories of a specific sound they'll be like oh man the sound of you know I, i worked on a reboot of um transformers we worked on transformers animator and animated and they remembered that megatron's big cannon had a very specific sound so i'm googling it and i'm on youtube trying to you know find that memory and it turns out it's this silly sound from a Hanna-Barbera library repeated over and over again. So we'll, we'll see that kind of stuff in if they have a specific request, but we actually just completely started with a blank canvas and uh, the weapons specifically is kind of an interesting story. We um, myself and the editors, we went to home Depot and we started going through the aisles trying to get inspiration because we wanted brand new sounds. We didn't want to pull stuff from libraries. We wanted to record. It was such a special property for us. And We ended up finding uh, metal pipes, wooden dowels, some heavy chain. Um, What else did we get? We got some really large uh, sheet metal-y kind of stuff. And we were dropping them in the aisles of Home Depot to see what kind of sounds they would make. And I just remember, it's such a vivid memory, you know, at the time it was just a blip, but I, I remember thinking to myself, man, people must think we look so crazy, like with our ears right by the floor trying to see what kind of sound different gauges of lead pipe and different size chains make to see if they'll kind of translate to the screen. But we ended up going, going home with shopping bags full of stuff and recorded them and they lived in that show for five years straight in infamy. So that was kind of the inspiration for how we designed everything in the show just step by step we would always try to think okay what's the new approach for this
0: yep just kind of like being your own Foley artist basically right
1: that's the cool thing a hundred percent yeah the uh creative design of it that you could just take any home item and you know just yep. drop it or bang it and
0: well I remember growing up doing um like film and TV like mm-hmm. in in uh, middle school like they're I mean obviously computers weren't big back then right. and they weren't dealing with it so they're like Oh, just go grab a wood board, Mm -hmm. slam it on the ground, and you'll get a gunshot. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how they taught us, oh, this is how you can see and develop sounds for your TV shows or, or movies that you're creating.
2: Exactly. And if you do something original, that's just that's the only time that sound's been recorded and used versus putting a bunch of library sounds in that people have heard over and over again. But you'll be surprised you watch trailers or even some big budget movies, and I'll hear some sounds from our library that are just ancient, ancient sounds. And you're just like, oh, that one again? <laughs> it's kind of a running gag for sound editors because we all have, you know, similar libraries we've purchased over the years. And some of the bigger studios have put out libraries that you can buy. And there are some very distinct sounds that kind of need to be replaced at this point in time. So yeah. that's one of the things we do at Boombox Post is we just try to really be original with everything and get a, a, a new spin on things. And Turtles was really the beginning of that kind of work for us. The the very first time we decided like let's really start recording and really start synthesizing stuff just for this series as much as we possibly can. We'd done a good amount of it before that, but that was the beginning of it. And then once once we opened the company here it just became kind of part of our ethos. We record every single day. There's always people sharing or jumping in a room to do an alien vocal for somebody. It's it's a really fun weird factory we run over here.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. It's like Willy Wonka for sound.
2: It kind of is. Like I'm a little <laughs> nervous you might hear like dinosaur vocals through my door right now or you know I- Clients get nervous sometimes because the room will rattle. it feel like there's an explosion going on. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm in a sound place. I forgot. Like, this yeah. is totally oh, wrong.
0: that's awesome. Well, if you hear a sound, it's probably just my dog barking. He <laughs> tends to want to be a guest on all my podcasts. so
2: That's fair. <laughs> no problem.
1: <laughs> uh, so did you have a chance to work with the voice actors and animators? Or was sound done in post-production? Uh, would you be able to explain the process of adding sound and picking what goes into the turtles or I can see if I can narrow it down to an episode if that helps.
2: (laughs) No, yeah, I can give you the overview. So we, we don't directly work with the voice actors. All the voice recording is actually done before they storyboard because they have to figure out the timing of the scene. So they put together what's called a radio player and they figure out the timing as though it's, you know, like a podcast, something you can just listen to. And once that rough, once that rough timing is in, They hand that over to the storyboard artists who have the script and they start putting the storyboard together, at which point they cut that into an animatic, which is a, you know, a cartoon playback of those pictures. So there's no animation. But when you cut from scene to scene, you can get an idea of the movement that's going on between the storyboards. So all that stuff happens way, way before we see any of it. Okay. By the time we by the time we get it, they've they've got what's called lock picture. So the timing is done at least rough animation is done in some way and then we have something to go by for our part of the process and then the sound process the sound process is really pretty straightforward um an executive producer or a director whoever's basically handling the post-production process comes in We watch it down together. I'll usually ask a whole bunch of silly questions that you wouldn't necessarily think of, like, you know, what surface is the floor here that we're dealing with? How washy should this room sound in the mix? You know, is this dog a Rottweiler? (laughs) (laughs) Basically peppering them with a lot of ideas. Sometimes I'll pitch ideas like, oh, it would be funny if this happened. Or, you know, maybe this particular spaceship should sound like it's from the 50s. Um, And we'll have a kind of back and forth. And then they'll go away. We'll do basically 2 weeks of just full editorial we'll cut a couple minutes a day just all that super creative stuff we talked about recording synthesizing pulling stuff from our library building it all out and then they'll come back at the end of that 2 week process we'll have a preview they'll watch it down and give us notes you know up oh, it you know Rottweiler wasn't yep. right let's go with a terrier and uh at the end all of that stuff goes with the dialogue with the music to the mix stage. Okay. And that's when those that's when those three things get leveled out. And a mixer will spend the morning basically putting those together, leveling it. So it, uh, he or she has it playing exactly that they want. And then, again, the clients will come in. Executives from the network will come in, give notes. And the episode's done. And then you just start the process all over again for another episode. Okay, nice. so
0: they, they do it episode by episode instead of kind of saying, here's a whole season. Right, and, and- just...
2: Yes, even the Netflix model where they drop you know thirteen at a time yeah. it's done it's done sequentially because basically we have a team, and I'll have x amount of editors uh foley artist uh dialogue editor, have everyone in place, and that's the team for the show, so I can keep them busy on a show that says has let's say twenty six episodes on a two week cycle that's a year of work for everybody, so we'll just start the cycle and that team handles that particular show. It's really great too because they get to know the show, they get to know what works and doesn't work. And that's basically becomes the reason the show has a specific sound. Whereas if they gave them to us all at once, we'd have to put so many people on it that it would just be kind of this mishmash train wreck. So that's, it's a really regular process and it becomes uh, very enjoyable because every two weeks you get to see your work completely finished. Whereas if you work on a feature film, you could spend a year on it before it's done.
0: Yep. And I guess on a feature film, also, they do a lot of, you know, here's a scene, here's a scene, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's never in order. It sounds like when you guys watch an episode, it's actually all in order. So you can kind of see how everything falls together.
2: Yeah, exactly. It has to be in order. It has the timing has to basically be locked and not move in order to kind of keep the gears on the machine, because if anything comes in and, and throws a wrench in, you know, that the next episode gets pushed and the next and the next. So you really hope for an org- organized production and everything is definitely locked a hundred percent when it comes to us so that we can just put our full time into being creative and not adjusting it. There's your dog. Yep. There he is. <laughs>
0: Once an episode, there he comes. <laughs> So, uh,
2: oh uh, yeah, yeah. So that's basically the process. Cool. Uh,
0: yeah. So, uh, since it's a uh, part of Nickelodeon, were you able to actually work on any of the live action movies or were you even asked to work on any of the live action movies?
2: No, that's totally separate. Um, that was all Paramount and a specific sound team. So whoever came in to direct those movies, I'm sure had their people, just like we talked about yeah. earlier. Uh, so, they usually keep the worlds kind of separate uh, once in a while. If there's a show that has like such signature sounds, maybe they'll ask that you share some of those sounds so that they can be put into the film. Um, but generally, no, they're, they're just totally separate sound teams.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's always it's... interesting to see how different networks do mm-hmm. different, <laughs> different things. I guess. Yeah. Nickelodeon is the kind of the header, but yeah, after Nickelodeon flies across the street and then Paramount comes in and it's kind of the main studio.
2: Yeah, I, I have no idea how the those politics even worked with those movies.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird how like sometimes like you guys will do a show, then they'll use completely different canon or even the same canon, because it seems like, at least the episodes I've seen so far, a lot of the stuff that was in your animated series kind of made it to those live action movies in a way.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that was. Probably a point of contention in some way or another. But you know, if you draw inspiration from from something, then that that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it seemed to be definitely from a sound standpoint, I I didn't really hear any inspiration drawn from our show. But visually it seemed like there was some cool stuff that they plucked from the show, but uh I don't know if they would have a different opinion. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh how cool was it to be nominated for an Emmy?
2: Super cool. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where we work on a lot of shows, and especially me owning a company, being a supervising sound editor, I I can work on concurrently a lot of different series. So we've been very lucky that a lot of those series have been recognized for our work, and we get to kind of be a part of the award season most years. Um, but with with a nomination, either with an Emmy or we have these other awards called the Golden Reels, which is the sound specific awards. Okay. So okay. it's. It's really cool because, you know, when you go to the Emmys, all of our clients are there too. Um, so you're you're not just in a room of your peers, which is awesome for the sound awards, but you're also in a room with a, a bunch of people that, you know, respect your work, that have worked with you before, that are supportive of you, and you have a chance to support them too. Plus, you get to wear a fancy suit, Yeah. there's a red carpet. You know, it's short. like a whole... Yeah, it's a whole thing. Uh, the daytime Emmys are a different design than the primetime Emmys, I've been told, so... I don't know if there's some cachet in the primetime over daytime, other than, you know, knowing that it's a primetime Emmy and you get yeah. to go to that fancy ceremony, but more so um, too, I bet. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a number of soap operas, date daytime shows, soap operas, um, animation in general, all gets lumped into the daytime Emmys, unless it's a specifically primetime show, but there's no primetime animation sound category. So those shows are up against, you know, really big, big series as well. Wow. So it's, it's a cool little perk of the job, and it's fun to have a big, you know, award sitting on the desk. Yeah. Where oh, the clients seem to I mean, seem to like it. Do you
0: guys trade it back and your one win that you did have? Do you guys trade the trophy back and forth? Because obviously you guys won it as a team, right? So do you guys like choose like this week it's on my desk, this week it's on my desk? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I think that would be hard to coordinate. Probably You'd have a timeshare on the thing. Uh, they actually they give you one award. And then the rest, anyone that is on the actual uh win listed as part of the team has the opportunity to purchase uh oh, their own Emmy. Gotcha.
0: So kind of like an Oscar. Yeah, a
2: little almost. inside inside baseball. Just like the Oscars, what? absolutely. And they're they're not cheap to purchase either. So
0: No no no. Well, I mean I guess you could go to like a shop and buy a and, mock one. Right. Say I want it. You could describe your name. You
2: on could it. definitely <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's plenty of shops at Hollywood and Highland where you could get some of those.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right. So last question, and we kind of saved it for the end because it's kind of the Mm -hmm. best one. So who is your favorite Ninja Turtle and why?
2: Oh, I think I might have broke this earlier when I said I was rolling around with Uh, um, wrapping paper tubes because I always was a Donatello fan. I think it was the reach of the bow that um, did, did it for me. I feel like he had an advantage to be able to kind of keep his distance from the baddies, but I also i really enjoyed that you know he was kind of the the smart guy of the crew um i was not cool but rude so yeah. i was not a raphael guy <laughs> um while i think all of us wanted to be a party dude michelangelo seemed a little obvious to me so yeah uh you know that that narrows it down um you've got some pretty tough choices to make when it's who's your favorite turtle but yeah. um i mean in I'm the end of a...
0: I'm more of a Donatello guy too, but I like being the party animal. So
1: I'd have to say, yeah, Michelangelo for me.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it, I think Michelangelo was probably in, in my time, you know, the go-to answer. Uh, everyone wanted to, he was just a fun guy. Everyone wanted to be Michelangelo. So I was a bit of a nonconformist and I went uh, Donatello. Leonardo was just too leadery for me. Yes.
0: So. Well, you'd never want to be the leader because everyone picks on the leader.
2: That's a good point, and in our show, that was definitely the case a lot. You know, we took it in stride. And uh, Leonardo was a voiced by Seth Green was a pretty awesome character. Yeah,
0: too. I mean, it's did you actually get to meet any of the voice actors at the daytime Emmys or anything like that? Because I mean, Sean Astin and, um, and
2: uh, yeah, we well we would. We would meet at, like, you know, premiere parties and rap parties and things like that. I Sean Aston I, I got to talk to at the premiere party. I was so excited to meet him because he's just been in, in so many things. And um, he was super kind and really nice. And um, I got to talk a lot with Rob Paulson, who's actually, I, I'm from Detroit. He's another Detroiter. So we had something to bond over there. He's at Comic-Con often on the panels and stuff like that. So I had a chance to just introduce myself. And when we wrapped Turtles, uh, got a chance to meet Seth Green and he sat and talked with the sound team for like 15 minutes. It was like, don't you, you've got to have important places to be. These are just the sound guys, but he was just genuinely interested in the stories we had because we were talking about like, Oh, we processed your voice when you were super shredder and did this crazy stuff and pitched it. And he was just kind of into our process too. So everyone was just really, really nice all the way down the line. Yeah.
0: I think with, well, Seth Green, I mean, he has his own, you know, robot chicken. So he kind of has a, edge in the kind of animation world more clay animation but
2: (laughs) yeah we were we work with his company stupid buddies as well on a a whole bunch of projects and (laughs) they're they're really fantastic they're right around the corner from us here in Burbank and um, you know, like I said, everyone in animation just kind of kind hearted, good people. It's always a worry when you meet a celebrity, you're like, Don't disappoint me, don't disappoint me. Come on, really? be nice. <laughs> and I, I, I feel like everyone's been so nice. So, we are very lucky, uh, specifically in animation to work with such great people.
0: Awesome. Well, this has been amazing. Yes, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Thank you, guys. This is a pleasure. I really appreciate you, you know, your interest in sound and in turtles. This has been a blast.
0: All right. Well, let's close it out here. So first up, um, if you don't know, it's closed, unfortunately. But we do have a second contest that just started on our website. Um, but our first contest is closed, and we have chosen a winner. Her name is Rebecca Grams from Egan, Minnesota. And I let her know today, so she'll be getting her prize soon, and we'll post it. Um, and she won the uh, Sailor Uranus by Funko Pop. So that was kind of cool for her to win. Um, our second month poll will be going up this evening, uh, which is awesome. So by the time this podcast comes out on the 15th, you'll still have, I think, four more days to enter, which is kind of cool. Um, and uh, it's a team-up poll again about uh, who's who's, be- who's better. Uh, I haven't come up with the question yet, but it's between Han Solo and Chewbacca. Versus and- Groot. Groot and Rocket. So a couple space guys. Um, so go to lootimepodcastcom backslash contest to enter. You could find us on social media at Time Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Time Podcast on Facebook. You can contact us via the website or at Yahoo, uh, Time at yahoo.com. And, uh, Jeff, uh, where can people find you?
2: You can find my Twitter handle is, uh, sounds like Jeff, and you can find out more about our company, um, Boombox Post, at Boombox Post. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And we blog on our website, boomboxpost.com slash blog, which um, it's linked to on all those various sites. And if you're interested in all in sound or in the process of sound or animation, we write a lot of articles up that uh, are really interesting reads just for everybody to kind of check out. So go ahead and check out that blog and hopefully uh, shoot us a note if you liked uh, hearing it.
0: Definitely, yeah, because uh, sound is... Good. I'm surprised you guys don't have a podcast yet. So
2: I know it's sound is a tough thing to podcast about. There's a few good sound podcasts out there. I feel like they've got the market cornered because, you know, it's uh it's really hard. We can't share anything specifically that we work on. So yeah, all see. gotta get on air. So then you're just talking about, you know, the the methods and you know, after something finishes, you're talking about, you know, how you did it, how you went about it. But uh maybe someday, yeah. you know, absolutely. We could join the space. I think there's room for one more.
0: All right. Well. <laughs> So everyone out there, like us, and share with your friends. I am Steven Sklansky.
1: I'm Kevin Hebner.
0: And that is all the loot time we have. Good night.
2: Go.